morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome back. And it is a very, very good morning this morning because it's, I'm going to tell everyone the time, Steve. It's quarter past six. Well, it's almost a little bit after quarter past six in the a.m., as they say. Um, I'm in Bahrain. I flew into Bahrain yesterday. Um, Steve and I are doing the podcast at a slightly different time. Steve had to rearrange all his, uh, his schedule today for me. So, hi, Steve. Hey, mate. How are you going? It's... Um Pretty crazy early for you. You're not a morning person either. <laughs> no, no. How's that for dedication? For people that know me when I used to work in a normal job or even when, you know, I didn't work in a normal job, most people would just avoid me before my second coffee in the morning if it was early. <laughs> yeah. um, it was a little bit of a running joke in a place where I used to work, as you know, uh, mm-hmm. in Paddington, that people would just basically avoid me. And that was... That wasn't even that early in the morning. That was like nine in the yeah. morning. Um, so people would just keep away. Um, not because I was going to snap at them, just because I just wasn't really awake. But I tend to, um, as you know, Steve, I tend to stay awake very late. Like I, I messaged you yeah. last night and that wasn't really late. It's late UK time. Um, but I'm yep. usually, yeah, I'm usually, um, usually late to bed and late to rise. That's how I like to do it. I still make the most of the day. It's just that I do it on the other end. You're a better person than I am. I could do the traveling and all that sort of stuff. Anyway. Yeah, see, Steve, just so the listeners know this, Steve, Steve, you're the, you're the direct opposite to me, aren't you? <laughs> you're the direct opposite because you get up at the crack of dawn yeah. and you go to bed reasonably early. Reasonably. Really early. Yeah. Really early. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's been compounded by kids, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so I can't do late nights. It kills me. Anyway. Getting old, mate. Getting old. Very old. Um, yeah, so yesterday, before I get into it, I'll just tell you because I haven't, mm. really, haven't really told you about it because we just wanted to start recording. Um, yep. But uh, I hope it doesn't sound too echoey. I'm in a different room today as well. Oh, sounds fun. Yeah, so we, we, left, uh, we left London on, what was it, Monday night? What day is it today? Wednesday. I'm trying to work out what day it is. We left yep. London on Monday night. We only flew out at 10 o'clock. You know, it's fine, easy. Uh, we flew out from Terminal 2 of Heathrow, and Heathrow is normally where we always used to fly out to go back to Australia because that's where Singapore Airlines fly from. You right. know, despite what people are telling you that things have opened up, despite what people are telling you that London is back to normal, it may be back to normal as in, yeah, it was a ghost town, Steve. Um, Heathrow, mm. basically, there was our flight and three other flights leaving from Terminal 2, um, yep. which is really, really quiet. Um, all the shops yeah. were closed at, 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 you know, when we were there. So we got there. We got there quite early, actually. There was no traffic going to Heathrow in the car. There was nothing. Yeah. We get to Heathrow. There's only three flights. Our flight, I'm not kidding. I would say it had 30 to 35 people on our flight. Which I can't believe. How did airlines run? Like, unless you're flying, you know, everybody who's in first or business class, how commercially can they actually make that viable? Yeah, I, I, really, I really don't know. So... 35 people on the flight, um, really empty. Um, basically, things are not back to normal. It's, it's all a joke. It's still, mm. I mean, you know, world travel, I don't know. I think, Steve, you know, honestly, I think it's going to be, I don't know. I can't see anything changing next year. Can you? I just can't see things changing, especially even with you in no. lockdown. Your lockdown's going to be extended. It's really hard for me to kind of get a read on it. Like, I don't travel nearly as much as you and Tash, um, so I wouldn't really know I'm not. You know, I'm not a big sort of worldly type person like that. But in Sydney, we're definitely in lockdown. We're still struggling to see how we're going to kind of get out of this. 
Um, I think they've sort of changed tack and it'll be trying to get the vaccine numbers up, not trying to kind of worry about trying to get zero cases, which is the way that they sort of tackled it all of last year prior to Delta. But I just can't imagine like um, how how they're going to kind of approach um, international travel again, let alone just even opening up sort of busy areas and shops and concerts and sporting events and all that type of stuff yeah. locally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you know, we've, you know, we've come back to the Middle East and, you know, we're doing this yeah. project in Dubai that opens on the 1st of October. I just don't know yeah. how they're going to do it. <clears throat> um, yeah. I can't really say who it was, but we had a meeting the other day and yeah. one of the people in the meeting is the head of a very big airline. Um, yep. And they were saying that basically they literally cannot get people to Expo. They literally cannot get people there to the project we're doing right. because yep. the restrictions, there's just still too many restrictions worldwide and also yeah. a lot of people are still locked down, so it's crazy. Um, yeah. Let's get into it, Steve. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. I'm struggling to talk just so the listeners know because I'm getting really weird feedback in my microphone and it's very weird for me, but I'll, I'll keep going. Um, so, Patreon. I just want to mention the two Patreon members that have joined this week. Um, we have mm -hmm. Jim. Jim is uh, Jim has joined uh, Porsche Cooled. Um, I'm not sure what Jim, hey, Jim drives. I don't think, Jim, you've uh, reached out to me. Um, if you have reached out to me through Instagram and I missed it, I'm sorry. Um, uh, but you did join Patreon during the week, so thank you for that. Uh, the next person, Steve, is Edward. Mm -hmm. uh, Edward is... Edward I, have, uh, Edward, I have spoken to. And Edward has got a – he's going to have a good story, actually. Uh, Edward is uh – -huh. uh, he said he's always loved Porsche from his uncle's 924, uh, and now he's um, basically ordered, Steve, a 992 GTS in manual, um, and he's still waiting. Cool. Apparently, he ordered it in early January, <laughs> and yep. he's still got seven months to – it's still seven months away. Um I guess another seven months yeah, from here. Another seven months from wow. here. Okay. Um, so I guess I guess it must be great that you've actually got your order in. Like I'd be really excited, but man, I'd be <laughs> it'd be killing me waiting for that long. When yeah, because what happens? Like, um, where are they now? I wonder when will the Gen Two Nine Nine Two? Because if you kind of ordered your car. You waited, what, that'll be about 15 months for it? Seems and that way, if yeah. not long after that, the Gen 2 kind of comes out, um, there's got to be a little bit of sort of weirdness in that at some point in time. When does the Gen, Gen 2 comes out? If this came out, the 911 came out in, what, 2018? The 992? It'll be three or four, about three and a half years down the track from the first release because uh, remembering what Nick Murray said, he said the um, life cycle of a car is generally a Porsche is seven, seven years, I think. But I guess that doesn't make uh, so Gen that, two comes in about four. But I guess if you're if you have a if you have a car on order now, Porsche, right? And we know everything's yep. slow. And yep. um, Edward said that you know his is going to be still seven months away. Obviously, Porsche are not making this car. It doesn't take them. Uh, it only takes them the amount of time it does to make the, to make a car. Right? It doesn't take them any longer. Mm. It's just that they're delay right there's the orders you know the work processes are slower or something's changed like that um i think they right? still i don't think it actually takes them longer to make the car on the production line the time is the time yeah you know what i mean the time would be the time it's it's so like so you know 
factored in and everything is to the minute detail that the time is the time. So that means when you get your car built, now just say Edward's car doesn't get built, say it takes a month to build or two weeks to build, does that mean if, you, if you're on the borderline you do get a point two? No idea. Absolutely no idea. I'm assuming at some point in time because they can at least track your order and tell you where you're at. Like if you're getting close to the changeover from a Gen 1 to a Gen 2, you'd like to think they're going to um, talk to you about it. But Yeah, because the, 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 um, the tooling would change, right? The tooling would change, I guess. So they'd have to do it at yeah, a certain yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank you, Edward. Uh, and thank you, Jim, for joining Porsche Cooled. Uh, if you wonder what I'm talking about, this is Patreon. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled. Uh, that's where you can help support the podcast. I think we have 41 patrons, uh, 41 members of Porsche Cooled now, Steve. Uh, let's get it to 50. Cool. We only need nine more. Let's get it to 50. Um, you know, we're up to our 120. What is it? 128th episode is today's episode for those of you who are counting. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, uh, let's try and get the Patreons to, to, to 50 in the next, um, I don't know, in the next month or so. Um, anyone that wants to support, you can start at as little as $2 up to $10 US. I don't know what it is in other currencies, but Patreon does the changeover for you. Um, Steve, let me, before we get into mm-hmm. owner stories, because I want you to have a little uh, say about owner stories this week due to the guests we had. Uh-oh. But I just want to <laughs> touch on Apple ratings and reviews. Um, last week, I forgot to do the Patreon thing as well, just so you know. Um, so that's why I spent mm. a bit more time on it this week. Um, Apple ratings and reviews. I want to talk about these two reviews. I'm going to read them out um, because I know both of these people. And both of these people I know through Instagram. Um, and so I appreciate I appreciate all the reviews, but I've only got two. When we've got like five or six, it's really hard for me to read them out. And I told Steve I wouldn't read out reviews anymore, but I'm going to read them out. Um, So Apple rating and reviews, like I said, if you go to Apple, you give us a star rating. If you've got a few more minutes, just write a review. Um, Because of all all the guys, Steve, and I said this last week and the weeks before, um, because of all the guys Mm. going out there and giving us the reviews, when I left Mm. London, we were 34 on the US chart when I checked it, 34. Mm -hmm. Now, that's pretty crazy to me that, you know, and I keep saying this, but the, in a, and not, no offense to any other country, but the US is such a big market and this is automotive podcast. To be number 34 is for a little podcast that we started out that we thought no one would really listen to. It'd be just me and Steve talking to ourselves. Um, it, it's quite good, Steve, don't you think? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, credit to you, mate. It's weird, you isn't it? You started without me, so don't. Um, it's weird, though, isn't it? Uh, don't heap your it was nothing without you, Steve. It was nothing. It was just me no, talking no, no, to the no, wall, I'm, talking to myself for 20... I'm a very regular guest for 22 here. minutes, you're a host. 22 minutes I used to talk on those first <laughs> episodes. I don't even know how many of the original episodes I did because I don't... I haven't... I only listened to the episodes when I edit them. So I haven't gone back and listened yeah. to the very first episodes. Probably I shouldn't. Um, I did that with one of my yeah. YouTube videos the other day. I, I watched a very old YouTube video. Oh, my God. I thought, should I just remove this now? Like, should I just take it off? Um... The thought crossed my mind. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. Apple ratings and reviews. I'm going to read these two very quickly, Steve. Uh, The first one is Friends Mm. Talking Porsches. Friends Talking Porsches. I like that title. Michael and Steve Steve bring the genuine passion of enthusiasts, knowledgeable, but still curious and interested. Their casual banter is that of friends hanging out in the garage. I wish I had a garage. You will also enjoy (laughs) (laughs) enjoy the owner's stories, which are each unique. 
Thanks to all the people who contact me, but reflect, that was my little comment, but reflect common themes we all share in the ownership journey. Whether you are experienced with Porsche or new, I recommend spending time with the Porsche Cooled podcast. Jim, thank you so much. Jim is a, owns a 1968 Porsche 912. He is at Left Coast 912 on Instagram. Go and look at uh, Jim's Instagram. He's got great pictures. He's got a great car. Um, I repost his images. I like his uh, Instagram. So go and check that out. But thank you, Jim, for the um, podcast. And that's Lido5110 at uh, United States. But it's Jim at Left Coast 912 on Instagram. Left Coast 912. Go and check it out, Steve, if you haven't. Give him a follow. Um, the next mm-hmm. one is the Ultimate Porsche Podcast. This one made me laugh. And I also, I didn't know who this was at first, and now I do know who it is. Michael is the Joe Rogan of Porsche Podcasts. I wish. <laughs> well, yeah, I wish okay. as in financially. I don't know about if I yeah. like everything Mr. Rogan says, but I do listen to occasionally to a few of his episodes. Everything from passion, lifestyle experiences, enthusiasts, as well as the Porsche community, all things of the brand Porsche. Now that is um, at Porsche Airhead via Apple Podcasts in Canada. Um, a side note on that, um, Porsche Airhead is uh, Nico. Nico has a brother. A brother Nico's brother is... Um, Nigel, Nigel, I hope that was, yes, Nigel, sorry, Nigel, and Nigel uh, left a review Mm. last week, I think, or the week before, and Nigel is uh, at the underscore cashmere underscore beige underscore 911 on Instagram, who's got a great Instagram, got a great car, Um, I'm going to get them, I hope, I'm not sure about together, Um, Nico said maybe we could do it together, I'm going to get them on the owner stories, they've got a really cool story. Their father's been in the Porsche club for over 30 years. Um, the father had Porsches. They've both got Porsches. Um, they both drive 911 SCs. Um, I think it'll be a really cool story. So anyway, I appreciate the uh, review and I did reach out to I did reach out to him yesterday and, and thank him for that. So thank you so much. Steve, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. All right. Oh, no. I'm waiting for that second coffee to kick in. It's kicking in now. I've had, I, you know, I just sculled one before I came up with you and now I'm on my second one. <laughs> yeah. Just so the listeners know, Steve just told me how bad I look this morning as well. So, you know, I turned the camera off for a bit, but I've turned it back on now. I said you were tired. Take it on sensitive, mate. Wait till I start. Wait till I start going out and baking in the 43 degree heat around the swimming pool later. Then I'm going to look. Oh, that sounds horrible. Then I'm going to look tanned, freshed. Huh? Going to get my shorts on. My white English Try tan up. that I have after six after a few months in in the UK working. <laughs> All right, um, owner stories this week, and you know, owner stories was a bit of a special one. Um, and I did say in the um, in the description in the in the write up for the podcast, you know, you've heard the name thrown about the podcast in mostly good ways, no, all good ways, I think. Um, this week we yeah. had um, Marco on the owner story, Steve. Yep. Did you okay, listen Marco, to it, my cousin? Did you listen to it? I did. I did, I did. You sent it to me in advance. Steve's cousin-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a few new things about Marco that I didn't really know because I, I sort of some of his car history, I think I've said it to you before, I can't keep up with his um, collection of older sort of cars. Um, and I knew that he was sort of wrenching on his own um, machinery b- before, but I didn't know that he was going to the point of... Um, sort of drop engines out and moving them from one old, you know, one old air-cooled um, V-dub to another. 
but I, I I know he's a very meticulous man, so I know that he would, um, if he wasn't at the beginning, he would become quite proficient in um, in things. Like I don't think he does things by heart. So let me let's get into that a little bit further. But just a lead in for the mm. listeners that haven't listened to Owner Stories this week, and I know a lot of people when they listen to Friday's episodes, I know some people save it to the weekend. They don't listen to it straight away. Um, and mm-hmm. I can see, you know, it's when it spikes and people are listening to things. But Marco uh, has a 996. He has a 2000 model 996 turbo. Excuse me. 2000 996 turbo in speed yellow, uh, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. color. It's got a carbon wing. It's Marco's first 911. But just so the listeners, I'm just going to give a little lead in. It's not his, it's not his first Porsche. He also has a um, Cayenne S 2012. Yep. I didn't put it in the in the title of the podcast. I just kept it purely 911. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but I just kept it as Marco's car because I want Marco's car, Marco's 911 to be the focus because he's so proud of it and he's so happy about it um, and, he, you know, that mm-hmm. car he loves. And when I was talking to Marco, the really cool thing was he was in his garage. He has a loft above his garage um, and that loft, he, you know, he, he showed me his, um, he showed me the car. You know, he turned the camera around and showed me the car. Um, it looks immaculate. Again, what I would do for a garage. Yeah, and Marco had all these... I'd kill for a garage. (laughs) Well, you know, here I am thinking when I'm talking to Marco, and I knew Marco had a few other cars. I wasn't sort of aware of how many cars he had. Um, And I thought, wow, that's a cool garage. I just like that garage with the little loft and the little thing upstairs. I could have all my Porsche posters that I bought. I could have somewhere to put them. You know, he's got all these model cars. Marco's got that great story that how he wasn't really into Porsche and then he got a Matchbox car and then that Matchbox car he actually still has. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, which depresses me when I feel like I used to just smash all mine up and just lose them and whatever. Yeah, so, same. you know, pull the wheels off and see if I can put them back on again, which I couldn't. Um, <laughs> that little wiry thing. Yeah, that wiry thing, right? The little wiry axle, yeah. basically. And then the doors, you can pull the doors off and it's really cool, but you couldn't put them yeah. back on. It was like, oh, okay, broken. Next one. Um, so I like people who have kept things from their childhood, especially things that, you know, are important to them. Marco's, but Marco, Stephen, I think you should say some more, but Marco has a great air-cooled story. I couldn't, and here I am thinking I was getting onto the point. Here's Marco's car in his garage, his 996 Turbo, which he's so happy with. Great story, um, great 996. And then he tells me about all the other cars, which I'm not seeing, which are in his driveway um, mm-hmm. and the cars that he has. And it's like, you didn't, you didn't give me any insight into that either. I, I knew he had some VWs and you told me that, but I didn't realize how many. Um, well, like I said, I didn't, I, I didn't know exactly how many were there. I've heard of them because I don't really see, up until kind of getting um, his 996 Turbo, I hadn't really hung out with Marco much, you know, like maybe at the odd sort of family do or if I'd kind of go and um, visit my uncle, um, so who's Marco's father-in-law. He's so antisocial. I am antisocial, um, that I'd sort of bump into him and we'd sort of have a bit of a chat. But, um, yeah, so I'd, I can't say that I had, like, just full knowledge of, like, everything that he's kind of got and what he's been sort of doing and tinkering with. But I kind of knew that there was um, stuff kind of going on in the background. But, but yeah. I, I said to Marco in the podcast, and you wouldn't remember this, you know, like, like the correlation mm. between him and PJ, you know, I know PJ's got the three PJ yeah. in the UK. PJ um, is is the guy that uh, does classics classics at the clubhouse in the UK, which is a now a yearly event. Yep. Um, and PJ had yep. that whole V Dub story as well. You know, the whole Volkswagen thing with the buses and the and the Beatles. 
Um, Marco has it as well. Um, PJ bought a 356A. Marco bought a 996. But, you know, it's some... Yeah, it makes sense to me. And that the, and the, and the engine... Progression from a V-dub to a... Well, the engine story, yeah. right? The engine story, Marco's engine yeah. story. I'm going to give this away. The engine story he had in his first Beetle, and then he kept that engine, you know, because he, he tweaked that engine and he kept that engine. Um, yep. Which is pretty cool. You know, I thought that was a really cool, yeah, cool yeah, aspect yeah. of it. But as soon as I finished talking to Marco, honestly, I went on to car sales to see how much Beetles were, even though I said I was an anti-Beetle person. Um... And then there was a really cool one on there with patina and whatever, and the, but it was still about, I don't know, 30 grand, 25, 30 grand, Yikes. which seems a lot for Didn't a Beetle. They were so valuable. Yeah, yeah, they're so valuable, mate. I mean, I'm not, to a degree, I'm not really surprised that they've kind of become valuable, I suppose. They're not going to be, um, as I'm talking in, gen, in general, I can't imagine that they'd be that rare. Like, surely there's quite a lot of them out there, but... Um, uh, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't surprise me that there's sort of like a um, evolution or uh, whatever in terms of like if you're a Volkswagen enthusiast that you sort of basically um, could move and evolve into Porsches. Like definitely from an uh, old air-cooled sense. But I'm thinking of my other cousin, um, uh, the one that got the M3. Yeah. He's a mad V-dub kind of yeah. guy, but he's a bit younger than me and. He's not like old Beetle kind of person. He's um, hot hatch, you know, GTI type guy. Um, had a Golf R, blah, blah, blah. It sort of also makes sense to me that you kind of progress from that type of world into Porsches as well. Um, I don't know why. It just sort of seems to be a bit of a German kind of car culture crossover, um, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, but there was um, Marco. You know, is that... Is that thing, and it's a little bit what we're going to talk about today, um, mm. you know, about beating the 911 in a way, how people are always trying to, to, to you know, beat the 911 or beat Porsche, I should say. But I thought it was well, interesting. Compete. Compete. Compete, <laughs> really beat. beat. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a tough market. You know, it's like going up against Apple in a way, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't know if PC people are going to say, well, you know, Apple's not that great, but it is, it is like going up against the iPhone. I mean, you've got the leader, you know, do you want some of that market? Do you want to beat that market? You know, where do you want to be when you, when you go up against, you know, brands like this, Steve? Um, mm. Well, there's two ways of doing it. You either try to emulate and sort of copy it to a degree, which like if you're kind of drawing parallels with like iPhones or Apple kind of gear, um, pretty yeah. much everybody sort of did do that. But call it a 911 specifically um, just for a second. I know you're talking about the Porsche brand, but it's pretty hard to kind of copy a, um, what was a air-cooled flat six with the engine out the back. <laughs> um, you know, like you can't really go and just uh, uh, sort of replicate that. So then you think about the kind of cars that have tried to kind of come up and just be really good all-round sports cars. Yeah. Um, and that's not an easy I don't know. There seems to be so many people that have tried it, but not necessarily kind of gotten there. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. Mm. And I guess, like you said, it's it's the 911 is what everyone's trying to beat. But you know, some cars come out and they don't they don't want to compete directly, so they might try to compete in one part of the market. You know, the thing that comes to mind to me is the uh, Aston Martin. You know, when the Aston Martin V8. Vintage? 
yeah, the Vantage V8 came out in 2000, mm-hmm. what was that, 2010, 2011, was it? Earlier? I think it might be earlier than that, but anyway. Was yeah. it earlier? Maybe. 2006, was it? I remember when the, when the Vantage came out, the V8 Vantage, and everyone said this is a 911 killer and all of that sort of thing and people are going to buy this car and, and get out of their 911s and buy a Vantage. And I remember at the time there was um, – I remember Tasha's boss at the time, he had his um, Carrera 4, 996 yep. Carrera 4. And I know he was tempted. I know he was looking at it. He spoke to me about it and he was tempted. Mm. He didn't do it. But I think, I think that's what happens to all of us. You, you know, you might and, – and just going back to Marco, you know, like how he said about the Japanese cars were such a big thing at the time mm. when he was looking for his first car. But he loved German cars so much that he put his money into a new Golf. You know what I mean? He bought a new Golf. Mm-hmm because he mm-hmm. wanted a German car and his German passion has continued all the way until, you know, 20 years later or whatever it is up until now. And yep. I think it's the same when you, when you see, you know, we all love 911s, we all love Porsche. And then another brand comes out with a car, which we're going to talk about the Lotus. Another brand comes out with a car and you think, oh, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay. But how do you weigh it up, Steve? You know what I mean? How do you weigh up those choices where you, you stick with a brand like Porsche and you, and let's forget about values and depreciation and all those sort of things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you, what is, what is the deciding factor that makes you stick with a brand like Porsche? Um, and I guess we can lead into the, the Lotus, the new Lotus, and you've been reading yeah. about it. Um, yep. How do you see it? Yeah, it's a tough one because I think also when you're talking about a sports car, like if you think about it, you're not really going to just purely use your head when you're kind of purchasing a sports car, whether it's an 911 or a Cayman or a Boxster, because um, it's supposed to be a more emotional kind of product. So yes, you can kind of go facts and figures and stats and resale and reliability and all that type of thing. But clearly when it's sort of something a little bit more fun, you would then factor in, sort of other parameters and I reckon like even aesthetics is a massive thing you know like I think there's a one little segue sorry my kids are going absolutely mental in the background (laughs) sorry what I was going to say was that um it's an emotion it's obviously like an emotional kind of thing to um go and purchase a sports car of any kind um but then like to a degree like if you're in that sphere buying a sports car Buying a, sorry, buying a Porsche could sort of be seen as the sort of um, boring kind of cliched option as well, if you know what I mean, because supposedly everybody's got one and it's not a particularly, you know, um, it's not a particularly left of centre kind of thing to do when it's an emotional sort of decision to go and buy something fun. So a bit of a weird one, but um, uh, I don't know. Seems to always come back to Porsches. Though. No, I, I kind of think that's what it is as well. I think... Mm. And I think these brands like Aston Martin, even mm. Lotus with the new Amira, isn't it? It's called Amira. I think so. I think yeah, so. with yep. the new Amira. I think that's what they try to pinpoint with their marketing. I think they do try to give you that thing where you're getting something different. You're getting something more exciting. You know, you're still getting a very designer, you know, a very unique car. Um, yep. You know, you're getting all that history. I think with the Lotus, yep. like you said, aren't they the AMG engines? Is that correct? Yeah. So I was just reading up on it. Like, and look, this isn't new news. I'm sure if anybody sort of reads car um, literature, um, they would have um, seen this sort of a mirror launch to death. But Steve, I reckon it. Just to interrupt for a second, it's it's. Hmm. 
I think you're underselling it a bit because it's not really about the launch of the car. It, it's it's really about what makes people move away from, say, their 911 into this car, right? And that's kind of what we're oh, trying okay, to get at. you're specifically talking about that. Okay. Well, no, I mean, I'm just in yeah, general. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 lead into the car, of course, because a lot of people, there's probably some people listening who haven't seen it, right? Because it is, yep. it is an English brand. You know, people in the US may not have seen it. Um, I've seen it in the UK because it was flooding everything and it is on all, all over yep. the YouTube channels as well. Um, yeah. But it also is that progression where why do these brands try to beat Porsche and then do they actually make a big enough dent to take the customers away from Porsche long-term? Couldn't answer that last bit, but um, let's talk specifically about Lotus for a second. Okay. Like um, Lotus, at least when you think about it, is a, is a brand sort of steeped in motorsport history, just like Porsche. Um, you know, like there's lots and lots of heritage, um, Everybody sort of knows and has read stuff about Colin Chapman and sort of, you know, his ethos for lightweight and this and that. So plenty of stuff like coming from a marketing background, plenty of plenty of material to kind of work with um, from a heritage point of view, from a motorsport point of view, um, from a looks point of view. Um, you know, even the, like I'd argue that if you walk down the street wearing a Lotus um, T-shirt, hopefully not in your Lotus, but if you did... <laughs> You know, there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of credit in that. You know, not like it's still a cool not brand. There's right? anything wrong with that, everybody. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like um, Lotus, Lotus is actually still like a cool brand. Um, so like that ticks like a massive box. Then they kind of go and release like a mid-engine car. There's two um, there's two kind of choices of engines. Like there's an AMG four cylinder turbo, which um, I personally don't particularly like when I've heard them drive down the street. I think I've driven one once, um, but I can sort of see the merit in it, like super powerful, like really, really kind of high power output for the size of the engine. Um, and then the Toyota V6, which um, by all accounts actually sounds quite good and would be super reliable too. So, you know, like it, it starts to kind of tick all the boxes and then you kind of look at it and it looks pretty cool, like the actual design of it, it's mid-engined, um, you know, it's got the right heritage. Um, yep. Hopefully, if they kind of get their build quality up, and then like all of a sudden you go, oh yeah, that's that's a pretty kind of viable sort of option if you're in the market and you've kind of got you know like money to burn. Um, yeah, I agree with you, and I don't I don't hate Lotus at all. I think Lotus is very interesting, and every time I go for um, my run in London, yeah, just near Greenwich, there's a red one on the street. Uh, Elise yep. on the street with the wing yep. and, you know, and I look into it and I oh, like Exige? that. Uh, yep. Exige or Elise? Mm. It's got a yeah, wing. Got Is a that wing, an Exige? You know, more likely to be an Exige. Then. Okay, must be an Exige. But then I look inside, yep. you know, and I have a look at it. I mean, Tasha sees it as yep. well. My wife sees it and she yep. thought, it, you know, it's quite cute because it's, it, one, it's very small, right? Yes. It is very small. It is super low. It is super yep. stripped out. But, you know, for that little track, you know, fun sort of car that maybe goes alongside your Porsche. I don't know whether it would replace the Porsche. And I'm just talking about the earlier Lotus models, which, you know, I'm yeah, sure yeah. a lot of people listening, Steve, have looked at them online and seen the price and seen how mm, there's some bargains there now. You know, they have depreciated quite a bit. Um, and there's yeah. some models you can actually get at a good price. Um, and some are really tweaked, like you said, for motorsports. Some are, you know, they do have the motorsport history, but some are tweaked for the track. You've got the cup versions, you know. Yeah. 
But that stripped out nature, that really low, that just back to minimal, you know, early Porsche sort of thing is really appealing. And I can see why people, yeah. you know, like it. And I think, like you said, Lotus's history and then bringing out this new car. And you have to, if, if no one's seen it, go to YouTube and just do a search for it. Um, but that Amira, I agree with you. It's, it's a nice looking car. It really is a nice yeah. looking car. Yeah. So I, I, I was sort of watching videos and like you, you actually do hear lots of kind of car people talk about it. Like, um, you know, there's the usual crew like Zuckerman and Spike and Magnus Walker and all of that. Um, they were always getting press cars. So they do, they have sort of spoken about um, oh, the name, the, the name eludes me for a second, um, not the um, Elise or Exige, the other model, um, which just got superseded by this um, this new car, the Amira. Um, they're all, they've all been kind of driving it and they all sort of seem to kind of, you know, quite like it. it even the Shark, Sharkworks crew, like Alex at Sharkworks, there's all these kind of people that you kind of respect and you go, yeah, yeah, like, you know, quite like what they like. Um, you don't really hear that many sort of bad words sort of said about the brand. So it's definitely kind of up there and as an experience. Um, and they're, they're innovative too. Like when they when I, when they brought out the Elise, it was like um, that extruded aluminium sort of um, shell or body or whatever you want to call it, chassis. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really different for the time. Like nobody else sort of did that, which is how they managed to kind of get it so light. Um, you know, really, really kind of innovative as a company. Um, anyway, so like um, when all of this sort of um, stuff came out a couple of weeks ago, I think I jumped on a Pistons head thread and just started reading up about it um, a little bit. And there was just a really interesting kind of thread because it was from like um, Porsche owner's perspective. Um and just a little bit of chatter about like people kind of going, oh, you're tempted, you know, like, or people sort of saying, yeah, you know, like I've, um, I've got my order in. And I think just generally making big generalizations, there's a kind of group of people that are um, sort of cashing in on the fact that their used Porsches um, are obviously kind of worth something. And then, um, you know, switching over to these um, Lotus Amiras. So it'd be quite interesting to see when the actual, um, cars kind of get delivered, but people are people are sort of taking the bait and switching. I saw that I saw that thread uh, briefly, and I'm looking at it now, Steve. Um, mm. Mm. But it was, I mean, they were talking about used market between 60k and 85k, and this someone's put a list. You know, 997. This is UK, of course. 997 yes. GTS, yes. 997 Turbo, 997.1 GT3. I didn't know you could get a 0.1 GT3 for 85. 901.1 C2S, 901 GTS, and the guy goes on to list 981 GT4. Yep. But it seems by the thread. So these are all the cars. These are all the cars that you'd be cross shopping if you were looking at a mirror, right? Cross shopping, yeah, because you're getting yes. a new yep. Amira or you're getting a used yep. Porsche. Used Porsche prices yes. have gone up. It seems like the Amira has been in the UK has been positioned, and we talked about this before we started recording. It seems it has been positioned as, you know, we say Porsche beta. Um, it seems like Lotus hasn't really decided with this model yet to directly attack the 911, but they're definitely going for the Cayman GTS 4.0 yeah. kind of market, aren't they? It seems like they're going with that market. And you can see by the pricing of it, it's almost in the middle of, of that. Uh, From a price point of view, it's not really competing with 911s. It's a decent amount cheaper, isn't it? 718, Which isn't is, it? 718. Yeah, 
which is sort of smart because if you kind of think in the past, like of the cars that have tried to unsurp like a 911, you're talking like AMG, GT, um, the AMG, like the Aston Martin um, V8 Vantage, it's that type of car, which is still a rung up from this Lotus. This this Lotus is um, sort of cheaper than that, but it looks, you know, it, it, it certainly looks like a, a proper kind of sports car. I think... I think for the price they're putting it at, I think they've been quite clever, mm. actually. I think that, you know, yeah. and I think that they're also thinking, well, we might not be able to go to, for the 911 guys and, and get them out of their 911, but hey, we might be able to get them into one of these as well as their 911. Do you know what I mean? Like as yeah, a second maybe, car, maybe. possibly, because there are people that own 911s, as we know, that also have Boxsters or also have Caymans, 718s, I should say, 718 Caymans or 718 yeah. Boxsters or not old Boxsters. So is that what they're trying to do? You know, we're, we're not trying to beat the 911, but if we can get you to, to look at this car, which people obviously are from this piston head thread, you know, people are looking yeah. at the Lotus, Porsche people, we're talking about Porsche people here. And then yep. they go, well, mm, maybe I won't get out of my 911. But, but people with Caymans with 718s or older 718s that can get good value for them, like you said, good resale value, they might switch. You know, because they want to try mm. something else. Now, I, I personally yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. I personally you're getting a brand new car. Yeah, and you're getting a brand new car. I probably wouldn't do it personally. For me, I probably wouldn't. Um, Would you be tempted to test drive it though? I'd be tempted to drive it. I guess if you've got a mid-engine Porsche, you got a Cayman, or you you know Boxster seven one eight or GTS, maybe you well, would be tempted. But even to drive you in it. your position, For even me? you in your position with a nine nine seven Carrera, so you're a okay. you're an existing <clears throat> sort of Porsche enthusiast. Like you you are probably kind of target market for this car. If if you sort of went, oh, oh yeah, like you know, for whatever reason, I might sort of consider getting out of the nine nine seven. I wouldn't. Um, would you go and test drive the? Mm, I wouldn't get out of the nine nine seven for it as much as I like it. I think the price mm-hmm. in Australia is going to be expensive. I think you know the UK yeah, price. I think than, I think in yeah. Australia it's going to be really targeting you know top end seven one eight GTS prices. It's going to be high. I think Steve, don't you? I don't know, but yeah, generally cars here are, um, and more niche kind of cars are more expensive than they are, um, say in the UK. And everyone knows I'm, I'm looking at the moment because I want Natasha, my wife, to get her license when we go back to Australia. Um, and I'm looking at cars just that maybe mirror, she could drive in. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, you know, would she like that? Probably. But I think she likes the Porsche better. Do you know what I mean? I think she'd rather have an old Boxster or whatever, but that's a lower price point. You know what I mean? It's a much lower price yeah, point. Yeah, different. Um, yep. But I think, you know, I, I forgot about the AMG GT. You're right. You know, the, the, you know, the two cars that come to mind that have really tried to go head on with a 911, Vantage V8 when it came out, right, and yep. AMG GT. And, you know, yep. the AMG GT, I want to put a question to you, actually. You know, the, the GTR is a very sought-after car. The GTRs and the mm. GTR Pros. Now, people who don't know the Mercedes line, GTR is like the GT3. Right, yep. GTR is like uh, GTR Pro is like the GT3 RS. Now, so yep. the GT- AMG GTR, I look at them; they depreciated a lot. There was a lot there for very low prices there for a while. They've gone back up again. Hmm. Would you hmm. be tempted as a GT3 owner to go into something like a GTR? I'd love one. I absolutely love one. But um, again, I would never. And look, I know you're talking hypothetical, but I'm not in a position to have like more than one sports car kind of thing. But um, if I could hang on to my GT3 because I sort of intend never to give that thing up. But, um, yeah, like AMG GT is a really appealing car, as was the previous 
Aston Martin. I don't really like the looks of the new um, the the new Vantage as much, um, just from a pure looks perspective. And it sounds like um, they released it too early and it was glitchy and like you know they've sort of uh, realised the error of their ways um, because um, they they've installed the old um, AMG bosses, the new CEO. But um, yeah, both cars I'd have like lots of time and respect for. I'd love to kind of have a go in it. Um, yeah, always look at them when they kind of whiz past. They sound brilliant. Um, they do. So I mean, I I saw a the new Aston Martin in Canary Wharf the other day. It went past, mm-hmm. and it looks mistaken from it for an MX Five from the front. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't. There's views of it that I really think are are really really cool. But there's other views of it that mm. confuse me. Like you said, it's like, what is that reminding me of? What does that look like? You know, it, it kind of always yeah. gives me that feeling. The previous version, yeah. the first generation, which they kept for God knows how many years, um, the Vantage. Such a pretty car. It's a pretty car. That's a very pretty yeah, car. Yeah, and I like yeah. it, especially if you get the slightly uh, newer version when they when they wind out the kinks. Yeah. Obviously, the earlier ones have a few issues. Yeah. Um, and I think as a used car proposition, it's... It's a good. It's a good car. Now the AMG yep. and the AMG, you know, GTS, GTC, you know, all these variations. Yep. There's a lot of Porsche people that I speak to and have, you know, who are saying, you know, they wouldn't mind an AMG a GTT against yeah, yeah. their 911, and people who have bought one to go alongside their uh, 911. Yep. But I get to the point. I don't know if it's enough to completely take you out of the brand. And I see these cars, Steve, they're a little bit like mm. um, M, M cars, how I've spoken yeah. to a few owners on owner stories. They, they jump to an M car due to priorities or family commitments or family, you know, yeah. you know family priorities. Because they're more Yeah, practical. and then they yeah. come back. People, most people have come back to, the, to Porsche um, because yep. they still can't get everything from an M car or they can't get everything even from an AMGT. It's still not a Porsche. Well, an AMG GT is sort of more comparable. Again, sorry, talking 911s for a second because it is a two plus two. Like it's, you can shove like two miniature kind of people into back seats, I believe. But, you know, like it's not like a proper kind of four-seater where you can put, you know, like big kids or like proper adults in the back seat. Um, so, but it's closer, you know, like an M3 and a 911 really aren't kind of natural kind of competitors because um, one is based on a sort of proper sedan, the other one is a from the ground up sort of sports car. Um, yes, they're both kind of performance oriented, but um, so an AMG GT had a really good hot, good hot crack at sort of trying to match the 911 and I don't. I think it's been quite successful, but I don't think from a sale, uh, and this doesn't come from a place of authority, like um, I don't know how good the numbers are. Um, it mustn't be too bad if they're still selling it because if they weren't selling, then they'd probably kill it. But Well, they keep doing different versions, don't they? I mean, I watched uh, yeah. Shimmy 150 and he's got the Black Series one. And I mean, it, look, it looks like a beast. Yep. You know what I mean? It looks like a beast, that car. I know yeah, you don't yeah. watch that guy, but you should yeah. just watch that episode where he's picked up that um, Black Series. Right. It's not a 911. It's not rear-engined. Mm-hmm. It's front-engined. I mean, you know, AMG GT has got that point of difference because it has got that super long hood. You know, it's a beautiful-looking car. 
Yeah, and you can see if you, you know, if they depreciated and you can get a used one and you have it as a second car with your 911, I think it's okay. I still don't see it replacing the 911 because I still see AMG, GT, GTS, a little bit like the 992 Turbo market. It seems to be that sort yeah, exactly. of customer. But that's exactly right. It And because it is more more GT than sort of out-and-out sort of sports car. No one's kind of got the exact same positioning as a 911. And I don't know if that, that that's possibly by design when you kind of think about it because, um, like, if you go and spend a billion dollars kind of developing a car to kind of get to try to compete with the most popular kind of sports car there is, like, of all time, essentially, um, and you basically can't match it because it's such a high benchmark, um, aren't you better off building something that has a slight difference going back to what we sort of said originally yeah, that it has a slight kind of point of difference because then you never really will be lined up against a 911? Yes. Okay, so this is where I think they've done, where the Amira has actually done, where they've done a good job with the Amira because they're targeting the 718, mm. they're targeting that, that range. It's mid-engine, it's comparable in that respect, Right. Um, what you yep. said is about yep. people think, you know, Porsches are boring or common. So they've yep. made it quite unique. Like the design is quite beautiful. Yep. It looks like you've got a supercar for non-supercar money. Um, and I actually yep. think in the short term, they might actually have a have a good attack at the 718. You know what I mean? I'm not saying for me, yeah, but yeah. I think as yeah, a market absolutely. as a market thing, I think they're going to have a good, a good stab at it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I, and I've always loved kind of Lotuses. I've always wanted, um, not that I've ever kind of been seriously sort of there, but like Elise, you're, I've always looked at Elises and gone, they're, they're cool looking cars, like they're very rare in Sydney, but if, if one's ever kind of driven up alongside, you do have a good long look at it and, you know, you read nothing but um, good things about the performance side. Like for sure it sounds like reliability is slightly different than uh, build quality, but do you sort of like I just I, I have a feeling that if you're a Lotus yeah. owner, um, like if this was the Lotus called <laughs> um podcast, I bet you like they're all kind of going sort of similar to Alphas that um rather than it being a flaw, it's probably kind of more about character. Um But I think the main thing comment Because I bet you there's nothing yeah, like Yeah, but it. I think the main thing car manufacturers are doing, right? When you're up against someone like a mm. Porsche is if you can get people to at least talk about it, if you can get people to at least yep. consider it, at least think about it, and there's enough people chattering about yep. it, then you might not get all the Porsche people. You might not get the 911 people, but you'll get a few. And you might get enough, Steve, that yep. it makes a difference for whatever they're planning next. You know what I mean? So obviously yeah, there's yeah. going to be – this yeah. is obviously against the, against the 718. It has to be against the 718. But what is the next one? What is the well, next one? That is, that's going trick. to be, you get people into the brand, you get some 911. Now, I just want to go back to what Marco said about how when he, you know, Japanese cars were huge, fast and furious, and he, he still yeah. wanted German. Now, I'm kind of a little yeah. bit like that, as you know. Like, I like, you know, designer furniture like you. We like, to, you know, designer, yeah. cl well, quality clothes. I'm not going to call designer clothes, but more designer type quality clothes. Appreciate design. We yeah. appreciate design. You know, I can appreciate the design of the Lotus, it's not German. It may have an AMG engine in it. I'm like you. I would probably go for the other engine, the Toyota engine, which I guess is like a super engine, is it? Is that what the engine is? No, it's a, it's a V6. V6, is it? I don't know. It's probably out of a Camry. It's out of a Camry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would probably go for the Toyota engine 
um, with the Lotus. It's not a German car. Um, Lotus isn't fantastic for quality. Maybe they fixed that up. But then again, AMG, uh, uh, Aston Martin, is also not great with quality. They weren't when they brought out the van, the old Vantage. Even the new Vantage has still got quality issues. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. they don't want to... Sometimes these brands, I just never understand, Steve, how they don't want to improve that thing. And I think until they get to that point, and especially when you're looking at new Porsches, you know, Porsche has really fixed up issues they've had in the past and the issue they've had in the past has always been their interiors have always been a little bit especially with 996 and 997 have had a lot of issues with things breaking wearing you know air conditioning knobs plastics and i think in the 992 from from all the 992 owners i've spoken to and all the things i've seen online the 992 quality interior is is back to that german standard I'd say that most cars are like that, though. Like as a whole, if you kind of hop into a Kia, you know, like a completely different ilk of car, like quality of cars in terms of, like you hear it often, there is, it's very rare to kind of come across a bad car these days. Like all cars uh, perform, they look better and they're much better built than they ever used to be. So it's almost like if you were to compare the range, like from the bottom end and the top end of cars, it's compressed. So it is, it is much, much harder. Like if you jump into like, you know, I hate them, but if you jump into like a Hyundai i30, like even that, um, is it uh, the N range? That, yeah. Um, um, that Hyundai yeah, kind of released? Yeah, supposed to be good. They're supposed to be amazing cars. Mm. And like you think about it, like 15 years ago, if I sort of said to you, I'd ever want to have a go on a Hyundai, I'd kind of say, no, forget it. Like it's a complete shitbox. But, um, you know, so... The, the whole the whole kind of range of cars and quality and performance is definitely kind of compressing. But quality-wise, like Porsche, we mentioned it last, uh, last podcast too. Like you think about it, Porsche's evolving like this 911 over like 40, 50 years kind of thing. So well. <laughs> it's a much easier task for them to kind of build a good car. Like, you know, it's such a cheat. Well, that's what I was going to get to, right? The 996, you know, we all love the 996, we all love the 997, right? But there were some quality issues internally, interior. But you think about when the 996 has come out and now the 992 has, you know, got quite a nice interior and everything's been fixed up. It's taken quite some time. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened overnight. Uh, But to be fair, to be fair, like um, you're viewing like the quality of a 996 in today's with today's perspective kind of thing. Back in the day, nobody ever sort of said, hey, the 996 was kind oh, of bullshit. You don't really know whether a 992, like in, you know, 10, 15 years' time is going to be the same. Like all those sort of flaws yeah, and glitches point, and, the, you know, the the rubbery kind of finishes will probably kind of come to fruition as well. Like, you see it with um, new, new Porsche eyes. You see it with new Porsche eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like overall, like obviously there is... There is um, like something to be said, I reckon, for um, build quality of Porsches. But I was having this chat with my uncle even. Like I reckon there's a massive difference between the build quality of my wife's McCann versus my 997. And her McCann is obviously a newer car than uh, my 997. Like I can notice it hands down in terms of when you go and wash and polish the car and stuff like that in terms of the paint quality. No, the 997... It's really better far far better yeah 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 the mccann the mccann build quality is not up to like what i'm used to in sort of 911 um sort of um uh 
quality control. But is that because it is built in a different factory and because it is more mass-produced, there's a lot more of them being made? Yeah, I I suspect so, but I don't know the definitive answer to that. That's surprising. That's surprising. I was, was, yeah, I was kind of going back to 964 and 993, which was sort of more hand-built, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, You can bang on about that sort of feel of solidity and all of that sort of stuff. But the Macan is far, far away from that sort of um, build quality in my view. And you've got the top-end one as well, you know, you've got the turbo, so... Wouldn't make a difference. Should, yeah. should make a difference yeah. with the price. Um, yeah, it should, but I don't think that it does. Um, like I genuinely sort of think that there's quite quite a kind of big difference. Yeah. In it. Um, I don't know about um, more recent ones. Like, you know, I hopped into my uncle's 991.2, but um, you don't really kind of get much of an appreciation for this these things until you kind of drive something yeah. for, you know, quite some time and then you kind of get a proper feel for it like it looks it looks amazing um from an aesthetic point of view um you know beautiful kind of thing um but but like you said you know it's it's when you own it it's when you drive it it's when you wash it it's when you're looking at it you know especially if you wash this is the always the benefit of washing and detailing your own car that you see the flaws you know there's a few flaws here and there you you know every corner of over it of it after quite a few washes you know what i mean yeah. which i like i like that i like how you yeah. know everything also i guess is the bad side of it you know if anything happens you know you'll see it straight away um and and my eagle yeah, eyes yeah, always yeah. notices things all the time which you know every time i wash it i said i notice something that shouldn't be there um so and once you can't see it then you can't unsee yeah. it like as, yeah, as an example like with the mccann there's sort of like a, there's a there's a name for it like artifacts in the um paintwork on the hood of the bonnet and i would have thought that you can tell like that car hasn't been repainted so that's the original paint but to me like that should have been rejected in the factory but it did like they obviously just kind of let it through um so what is it what is it on the paint um it sort of looks like how do i explain it it looks like there may have been like almost like a little bubble that popped so then it's not kind of completely smooth and you know like you've got to crouch down and see it in certain light and stuff like that but um, just in a normal world, you just and there's a couple of these all over the McCann. In an absolute normal world, you would not see that. Like on um, my nine nine seven, there's no way in hell you would have saw it on my old nine six four. See, that's weird though. Well. Do they change? So, you know, this is the thing when they're doing their quality control. Once it comes off the line, you know, things with McCanns are they doing? Hmm. Their standard is lower than a nine eleven, like they because they're trying to do it quicker because they're trying to produce more cars and they're trying to get them off the line quicker. I wonder if that's um, how it works. Well, one other way of – I don't know. Look, I'm sort of talking out my bum a little bit, but I do remember when I went to um, speak to that car detailer that my uncle used, and he said that he reckons that there is a noticeable difference in Porsche paint after um, Porsche properly kind of came under the Volkswagen family, under the Volkswagen group, because at that point, obviously, they started to kind of share componentry and right. paint and stuff like that. They still would have been bought, um, you know, that car still would have been painted in the Porsche factory. But at some point in time, obviously, you know, like the materials, like the paint, they're not going to let Porsche go and buy their own paint. They're going to, you know, use the power of group buying and all so that. So it's the money guys, so, money guys impacting production, impacting yeah, quality. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. speaking about quality, um, but it's interesting, you know, the, just back to the Lotus before we sign off on the Lotus one, Steve. I mean, is the Lotus yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a Porsche beater? It, 
it, it's probably going to give the 718 a good run for its money, I think. I think, and especially, like you said, that piston yeah, yeah, heads yeah. Uh, thread, um, which I might post on the Discord, on the Porsche Cool Discord. And thank you for everyone for joining Porsche Cool on Discord. Um, there's about 30 odd members now, like it's growing quite quickly. Um, but I might post yeah. a link of it there, of that forum, so people can see it. But I think it's interesting, Steve, that there are people considering it. You know what I mean? They're considering what you can get for the money and should I buy this instead. Now, we're not talking values, but, you know, the Lotus future value, I think you have to be aware that, you know, Lotuses don't have a good good record there. Let's be honest. They don't have a good record. And also there's also the quality issues, you know. Let's hope they've fixed up some of the quality issues they used to have. I mean, engine-wise, engineering-wise, it's probably probably fine, but it's it's that quality. If it worries you, those sort of things, you know, maybe it's still best to stick with a German car. Yeah, and I think you'd probably, like, if you're in the market, I think one of the things that would pop into my head is like, oh, um, you know, like Porsche engines, well, see, like even now, um, they start sharing engines, not with 911s, um, all... Caymans and Boxsters, but they've started kind of sharing engines with Audi and Volkswagen and, you know, Bentley and all of that sort of thing. So um, they're not as unique as they used to be. Um, but if I was in the um, Emira market, um, I'd probably be kind of having a little think about how do I feel about an AMG engine or a, or a Toyota yeah. engine. It's not, you know, it's not a yeah, Lotus engine. True, true. Um, which might, might be, look, um, I think if you're kind of buying into a AMG engine, um, particularly cars that are kind of putting um, uh, the V8s, like the AMG V8s, I'd be kind of going, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I'd have no problem with um, an Aston Martin with an AMG V8. I'd rather that than the old one yeah. um, in terms of as an engine because that's a cool engine. But it's a different – It is a. it is a different kind of point of view. But, sorry, I was going to say too, like – the Amira price point is quite smart because, again, from sort of like a marketing perspective, you're gonna, if you're going to if you're going to bait people to kind of get into the brand, you're going to want to be cheaper. Like, let's face it. Um, same with a phone. Like, if you're going to try to switch somebody out of an iPhone, you'll pitch it like a, a significant amount of money cheaper to get people to kind of try it and then build yeah. from there. And once you've kind of built built your credit and all that sort of stuff, then you start raising your prices again. Yeah, and I think what you just said then about the engine, though, and I think that's where my sticking point is, um, mm. especially with a new Lotus. I, I don't know, maybe the, like I said, the Exige and, and the Elise, those sort of ones, you know, if you get it at a good price, it's a good little fun car. You know what I mean? It's a good little track car. But when you buy a Lotus, yep. in my head, you, you know, I know that it's it's not a Lotus engine. You know what I mean? It is a Toyota engine. It's an AMG engine. Not that there's anything wrong with those engines. When I buy a Porsche, even though you said, you know, it's it's Volkswagen Group and they share. When you buy a Porsche, you still think the engine is a it's a Porsche engine. You know what I mean? And maybe that's the orientation of where the engine is because it's in the rear. But there's no mistaking you've you've got a Porsche and you've got a Porsche engine. And that's that. Well, that's what's important to me. That's what's important to me. How many other how many other flat sixes are out there? Like, the, like, where can you buy a flat six, flat, a flat six in any exactly. other kind of car? Exactly, can, and that can. can't be beaten. That really can't be beaten. Hey, Steve, yeah. go just ahead. One, sorry, just one other quick little thing. Like, um, in terms of Lotus, did you see that Radford um, thing that Jensen I did, and I listened to the podcast when they're on Matt Farah, but I don't really understand it yet. I haven't yeah. actually looked at it enough to really understand what's going on there. 
it's bloody cool. It looks it looks great. And so, like, this is just another thing which makes me kind of go, yeah, Lotus as a brand have kind of got some stuff kind of going on. Like, this isn't, I'm assuming this isn't really sanctioned by Lotus, but um, it's sort of like what maybe Singer is oh, to okay. Porsche, Porsche okay. in terms of, um, it's all like bespoke kind of coach-built cars. There's only 62 of them, but it looks cool. So <laughs> they're getting really everything cool. together to make Lotus more of an important brand, more of a, well, not that it's not important already with its history, but a brand that people start noticing again. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. Speaking of beta, beaters, um, today I'm picking up a, a new a new hire car in Bahrain because the um, Mercedes-Benz uh, air conditioning couldn't be fixed and, you know, it's like a nightmare. So... Um, right. I'm going to be driving an MG. <laughs> I'm assuming you're not MG talking about like MG SUV. A, uh, no, this is, no, no, no. I wish it was as cool. Um, at, at 11 o'clock this morning, I'm getting picked up and then I've got to take the guy back to where it comes from to pay for it. It's such a weird setup here. Um, I'm getting an MG ZS yeah, right. SUV for a. I'll be very interested to hear what so you say I'm not about yet, that. Um, I'm not yet sure friend. what engine it is. All I know it's the automatic. I'm hoping it is that one liter, th- one one liter, th- three whatever. The better engine, I think, is the is the one liter one, not the one point five. I think the small. I think one engine only comes with manual, and one engine comes with automatic. Apparently, the automatic one is a better engine. Um, it's just a car, just to All have right. a car at the moment. I, but I, I don't know. Oh. A car is better than absolutely no car, but I do remember some mates, like I'm amongst my kind of circle of friends, I guess well, my friends will kind of call me and go, hey, we're looking for a new car, blah, 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 what do you think of this? And one day my friend Todd rang me and said, ah, oh, you know, like he's got a wife and two girls, blah, 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 and he sort of said, ah, oh, we need to buy a new car, like the other one kind of crapped out. Um, there's some really good deals going on an MG SUV and it's like... <laughs> Run like the wind. <laughs> do not do the MG. I, I've seen them in Bahrain before. I think they're reasonably popular here. I've seen a lot of MGs right. here, actually. I think, yeah, is, I think probably okay. because of the price point. Um, even yeah. though it's not super cheap in the UK, this car, it's not super cheap. I did look at the price last night, late last night. Yeah, the Chinese don't. Um, but anyway, we'll see. We'll see what it's like. Um, there was either the choice of cars available. I mean, I don't know. There could have been somewhere else. There mm. was the the Picanto, which is a very small Kia, very very tiny, which is like you get blow, you get, which oh, is yeah, a cute yeah, little yeah. car maybe in Sydney. But here, once you're on the freeway and the expressways here, you're doing 120. Oh, okay. Most people do faster. You, it's too scary on the roads. Um, and then the only other option, the option with the MG, there was another option was the Picanto, or there was the Hyundai Accent. And I thought, oh, you know. I know it's really weird, but here I'd rather, even though it's not a proper SUV, it's only like a mini SUV, I still prefer something that's a bit higher up mm-hmm. just for the running around that we're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I don't know what it's going to be mm-hmm. like. I really mm-hmm. don't. I'll, I'll tell you when I speak to you. I'll tell you once I pick it up. I get it at 11 o'clock today, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, right. That'll yeah. be interesting. I never, never. I don't think I can quite picture no. you um, driving around an MG, but we'll see definitely what happens. Not, definitely not a Porsche beater. Um. Steve, mm-hmm. you want to finish with a recommendation? We're almost done. You got some time? You want to finish or not? Yeah, quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. Let's do the recommendation. What have you got? Um, I'm going to do my second one. I'm going to do um, – there's a – I know you've spoken about um, decals in the past because you sourced it from the crew in Canada. Yes, it? Carrera decals, then Ren um, decals, um, who operates through his Facebook page. Yep. 
Yeah, so like there's a there's an equivalent over here called autographic. Um, I bought stuff from them uh, on numerous occasions, and like they're pretty good. Same same issue. I think if everybody's kind of cottoned onto it, when you go to any sort of Porsche um, decal place, they've obviously been served with a cease and desist order from um, the Porsche lawyers. So when you jump on the websites, you no longer can sort of literally see the Porsche kind of logo and script and all that sort of stuff. But um, uh, the guy's name, I think, is Angelo. Um, and I think he's based in the Northern Beaches. Like if you go on autographic, um, pretty much all the all the kind of singer-style kind of graphics, the side stripes, the bonnet stripes, you know, 911R type things. Um, uh, look, to be honest, I think they're kind of all, you know, um, made out of the same 3M kind of material. So I don't think anybody can offer different sort of colour choices and stuff like that. But um, you get pretty good service out of them. So I... I might check them, them out as well. I was thinking, yeah, and, and I think you're right with the 3M material. I remember Chris from um, Carrera Decals yeah. who became Ren Decals. He's the same, you know, he can't show pictures of it. I don't think he has anything yeah. on his website. I'm pretty sure he's still producing. He's in Canada, yeah. I think, from memory. I think he was in Canada. Um, yeah. He knew exactly what I liked about him is he just knew exactly what the factory decals were. He knew if they were matte. He knew if they were semi-gloss. You know what I mean? So he knew what what it yep. was, which I thought was good. As soon as I asked him the question, I forget what the answer was now. But he knew the answer. He knew the color. Yep. You know, so all of that was good. It came. It fitted perfectly. I didn't fit mine myself. I had someone do it um, at Order House or someone who yep. Order House used. Um, but I was thinking, yep. you know, I was thinking about removing my my stripe. I'll come back to that because I, I keep seeing there's a guy yep. on Instagram and I forget your name. It's 997 something. He's got a car that basically looks the same as – he's got the same wheels as mine. Um, he's done them in the same way. Yep. And he doesn't yep. have the stripe. He doesn't have the script, the poor script. And I'm thinking, you know, it still looks good. Like I said, my wife's not keen on it. Then I thought, hmm, maybe I should go like older style air cooled and have Carrera on the side instead. What do you think of that, Steve? <laughs> mm, yeah, not, not, not my favourite. <laughs> There's something about it, like I think, because I've seen cars like that or even um, on um, GT3s, you know, you can get, kind of get that sort of more cursive scripty type thing and you can put that sort of big GT3 kind of logo on the side. There's something about it that I don't, I don't know, it's a bit kind of big and it's definitely a bit more yeah. retro and I reckon it gets to a point with some of these, like even though like you're talking like a 15, 14-year-old yeah. car or whatever, Um there's still something a little bit more modern about the design that to me doesn't kind of carry some of the, the completely sort of retro script. Yeah, for me stuff. when I wanted my script, as you know, I wanted it to be that singer type style, you know what I mean, that subtle sort of style, and that's what I was yep. going for. I think you're, you know, I like, yep. uh, and the reason why I said Carrera is I'm not going to do Carrera on the side of mine. I like the Carrera yeah. script decal on air-cooled, on, on air-cooled, yeah, is. on air-cooled. I think on air-cooled it looks really cool. Um, no offense to anyone who's got Carrera on the side yep. of their 996 and 997. For me, I like it when it just says Porsche on the side of the 997 and the 996. To me, that just suits yep. the car better. And like you said with the GT3, that GT3 script on 997 GT3s, 996 GT3s, it, it doesn't work for me either. But then on a GT3 RS, I think the GT3 RS decal, even though it's quite full on, actually works on the like the 901.1 GT3 RS, you know what I mean? Or even the 997 yeah, yeah, yeah. GT3 RS, I think that works. But on the GT3, it's like it's not long enough or something. It's just something that doesn't – it's just not balanced for me when I see it. 
doesn't look balanced. Hey, my recommendation, yeah. because we've got to go. Um, my recommendation, I always like websites. Yeah, you always okay. go parts, but I'll come on to parts eventually. Um, but I really like, and most people know this site. I don't think it's anything new, but if you don't know it, go and have a look at it. It's Alpha Spot. Alpha Spot um, obviously has an Instagram. He has a website. The website I like because I think it's something that if you were going to do a Porsche site and you were going to talk about Porsches and sell Porsche-related merchandise, I think it's done really, really well, Steve. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's what I yeah. like about it. I like the variety. I like how he's got books. I like how he has the Porsche Lego. You can go to the shop and buy that. You can get Lufkult wine. You can get T-shirts. Then he's got the cars for sale. And some of the cars for sale on there, you know, you can you can sell your car there as a dealer or a private person. The cars are really cool. Like he always, the listings on there, they have a lot of really cool listings. And then the yeah, article... Yeah, the curate, the curated really well. It's a really nice curated side. That's the word I was looking for. And and then you've got the Porsche articles. And I think some of the articles are well written. I mean, I look at it all the time. I go to it all the time. You know, I I repost his uh, images from Instagram on my Instagram on Porsche Good Instagram. So I like yep. it. And I think if you haven't seen Alpha Spot, you should go and check it out. And uh, it's it's you know, if you're into Porsches, it's it's definitely a place to um to go. You agree, Steve? Yep. I agree. All right. I do. That's about it. Let's call it. You had enough for today. I think we might go. It's uh, 7.30 here in Bahrain. You've got stuff to do. The girls have stopped crying, which is nice. They're relaxed now. You can go off and just... (laughs) (laughs) Not for long, mate. (laughs) Enjoyed while it lasts. Really? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You haven't you haven't told the li- you haven't told the listeners about having you know two girls now instead of one. Is it is it become easier like everyone says? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> who, who who was it out there that told me that? Ashmal. Like somebody kind of did. Yeah, like no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Very th- funny. Thanks for changing the okay. schedule today. Sorry about uh. All good. Thanks for getting up early. No, it's all cool. So I'm awake now. I'm, I'm wide awake. I'm gonna have another coffee. I'm gonna go and pick up my MG. Life's good. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> You've changed. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks, mate. All right. Cheers, mate. See ya. All right, everyone. Uh, that was Steve coming in from Sydney. Um, if you don't know who Steve is, Steve is the co-host of this podcast, and he owns a 997 GT. Guest. He, Guest. he owns a 997 <laughs> GT3, one of the most iconic and best 997s you can buy. I wish I had one, but I don't have as much money as Steve, unfortunately. Hurry up, mate. Hurry up. <laughs> All right, everyone. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>